<clears throat> Today, uh, we're going to start in our, our fourth part in the series on habits. Um, uh, hang on to your seat. We're going to have a bit of a review, but we will move quickly through that uh, to get to the part that God has us working on today. But, but we've been really looking at the role that habits play, that they are an essential part of the success or the failure of our life. Um, and, and out of that, um, I want us to understand today what we're going to be working on is the evidence of our practices. The evidence of our practices. Uh, you could say the evidence of our habits. You could use that word, and then we're going to change it one more time. But today we're going to look at how that looks on, in a spiritual context um, when we looked at a definition for habits, we saw that it was really a behavior pattern that we have acquired by frequent repetition. Um, and so if there's a, there's a repetition or an exposure uh, that, that is repetitive that, we, uh, that begins to build a habit in us. And that the, the idea of the habit in the brain as well as in reality is that it becomes um, automatic. It becomes an automatic response, uh, involuntary from the standpoint that we're not uh, having to actuate that. And that because they're involved, because they are operating without thought, they can either do bad things or good things, can't they? And so that's what we've been looking at. And, and the reality that for the most part, our lives are pretty much run by our habits. We operate off autopilot much more than you think. And we'll show a little bit of a, an example of that later. What we talked about is there's a habit loop. There's the cue, there's the routine, and there's the reward. And the, and the cue is that event, that thought, that moment, whatever it is that makes us go, oh, I have a routine for this. We don't think that. That routine just goes in motion. And that routine takes place. And what we want in that routine is we want that routine to produce a certain thing. Um, you know, that ah, when you eat, you, you want to be satisfied. Um, when somebody yells at you, you yell back, you want justice. So that's the role that reward plays. The habits um, are really about changing things to where they should be. They are about fixing something. Um, when, when somebody cuts me off on the road, I, I certainly can have that tendency to want to get back at them, honk at them, whatever it might be. I, I want to make it right. I want to, because it's not right. They drove off. It's not right. It's like this. But if I honk at them, uh, if I do something, then that somehow makes it right, of course, unless they honk back or do something, and then we have to do this again until road rage kills one of us. So, so that's kind of how it works. That's the routine. The reward is exactly that. I feel satisfied. I feel justified. And then we've talked about typical rewards. I feel normal. I feel right. I feel vindicated. Um, I feel relief. I feel distraction. Many of us use habits to distract ourselves. When you walk into the house and you immediately turn on the TV. Um, when you are standing in line full of strangers, 
and immediately you pull up your phone and you start going through Facebook. Now we think of that as being uh, multitasking, but what we're actually doing is we're fixing an awkwardness. We're standing next to people we don't know about, we don't care about, but God cares about them, God knows about them, God has put you in that line, yet what I have done is I have elected to activate my routine, and I'm this. And of course, a lot of other people are doing that, so you don't look awkward, you don't look foolish, you don't look like you're wasting time, and you don't have to talk to anybody, do you? Because you look like you're very socially engaged with 1,380 of your closest friends on Facebook. And last week, we looked at how habits are changed. We looked at the reality of taking back the habits. Because the habits will decide who you are. Because they are in control of your life. Unless you take control of your habits. And we talked about the things that do that. Over time, some of our habits change. Maybe on Friday night, You close down the bar. You and your buddies see how many you can drink. And you get married and you have some children and you can't pull that off. Or you get older and you just can't pull that off. So you move on. You have some other habits. As John was mentioning earlier, crisis often brings change to our habits. In fact, often crisis is required for us to change a habit. We have an addiction. We have a problem. We have an issue. And it takes a crisis for us to move off of that habit. And there's also the choice. We actually have that. Jesus buys back the choice. He buys back the opportunity and empowers us for the changing of habits. That doesn't mean that somebody cannot change a habit without Jesus, although I would challenge that on a strictly theological basis. Um, But that's another story. What I'm really talking about is that we have not only the potential but the responsibility of our habits. What are they producing? What are they doing? In my instinct, in my impulse, who am I? That is what matters because that is the person that's operating from the heart and the mind of Bill. And that's the piece that Jesus is interested in. He's interested in the one that's really driving the instinct. And so when we look at this, and I want us to look today at how can we operate in choice. And and we looked at taking back the habits. You have to recognize um, the cues. When I get into the long line, is that the cue for me to get my phone out and check Facebook? Is that the cue? See, now I have to be mindful. Okay, is that really the cue to get out my phone? Probably most of us could double-check the cue of getting out your phone. If you're not answering a call or a text, you can double-check yourself on that cue. I mean, there, there are people in here, when I take a breath, they check their phone. That's why I don't take a breath. 
I mean, for 40 minutes, I don't breathe. No. You see, the church actually has a role about the introduction of the freedom of habits to humanity. The church has that role. You see, salvation is not an event that has a destination. Jesus came to give you life. Salvation is life. Salvation is this, not this. And often we make salvation one of these that eventually has one of these at the end of it. But that's not salvation. Salvation is the introduction of life, and it's introduction of a life so powerful that it has eternal quality starting right now. That is salvation. And you see, that salvation is what is driving and should be driving humanity. That salvation has the potential of transformation. And that is what you get when your habits are redeemed. You see, that's how we can look at the church and see we've got a spotty past. And I was, I was doing some reading uh, by Dallas Willard, and I thought he had a very interesting point. If you don't know who Dallas Willard is, he's a, he's a prominent theologian, was. He just passed away. Um, anything he wrote, I really recommend you read it. Um, any video he did, I recommend you watch it. Uh, just a real balanced guy. But he said, you know, perhaps we have lost our abilities and our value for transformation because over the last several hundred years, we have been pretty good at evangelism. And, and when we start seeing countries change direction and people flip their identity to Christian and we start seeing rooms fill up with bodies and like, you know, well, we may not be hitting on all cylinders, but come on, this isn't bad, right? I mean, we're filling rooms. Churches still do that today. We still do that. We still care about those numbers. And we're still willing to grade on a curve. If we can find the, blue, the, the, you know, the silver lining of what God is doing, we'll, we'll hold on to it. But the truth is, transformation will decide, will determine if we change the world. Now his statement was, if there were a body of believers that followed Jesus, that it, it and it alone has the capacity to change the world. The world can recognize transformation. It can recognize a person who loves instead of hates. It can recognize a person who loves their enemy. It may not understand it, but it can recognize it. You see, as we see the, the values and the habits that Jesus uh, offered to us and modeled himself, they were all counterintuitive to the life we live. Love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. If you want to be first, then be last. If you want to be overall, be servant of all. It's like, dude, none of your math works here. He says, oh, yes, it does. My math is the only math that works here. And what it does is it will demand a rebuilding of your habits. 
And when you see that opportunity to run over real quick and get to the front of a line and you see somebody else coming and so you go there, you know, oh man, I got, in, I got here first. Or you sneak into that parking spot, you know, you kind of did it in a way that it didn't look just totally obvious, but you were trying to get there before that other car. You see, what Jesus would do is say, if you saw there was another car, why don't you prefer them over you? Why don't you give them that spot? Then I would have to drive more and go somewhere else. And it, it's legitimately mine. This is, the, this is the system of the road in the parking lot. And Jesus would say, I know that's the system of your road in your parking lot in this world. But I represent a different world that's looking for a different outcome with the people in that parking lot. And you are representing me, my values, my system, my kingdom, my way, in your place, in your time. And you go, okay, that would be a reason to give the parking spot. That could work. But you see, we have to override and grumble a little bit. Okay, Bill had that in the sermon. I'll grip my steering wheel and be Jesus-like. But it better not happen again today. You see, am I operating out of habit? No, I'm overriding a habit. And you know what it feels like to override a habit? Oh, it hurts. It's tough. When somebody really, you know, slams you and disses you with something, and you have the perfect comeback. I mean, I mean, you're there with it. It's right there. And I've had that feeling before where, Jesus, that ain't right. It ain't right for you to give it to me, and I can't use it. <laughs> ain't right. You were the giver of all good things, and this was a good one. You see... My habit isn't redeemed there, is it? So I have to practice good habits so that they become empowered. I have to practice something different. John mentioned the term devotionals. Spending time with Jesus in the Word sounds like in the morning. In the church, we have a term for that. It's called a spiritual discipline. Anybody ever heard of spiritual disciplines? Anybody ever heard of those? Give me an idea. What's a spiritual discipline? Somebody give me one. Prayer. Fasting. Studying the word. Give me one more. Just, what? Worship? Good. Yeah, these are all what we call disciplines of the faith. Now, I, I don't really like that phrase, uh, maybe because it's kind of old-school church term. Maybe that's it. Uh, have you ever read those things in the newspaper where some guy lives to be 140 years old, and they ask him, what was your secret? You know what they're really asking him? So what was your habit? What was your routine? What was, your, what was the method of living that you exercised that got you 140 years out of your body. And I've heard all kinds of crazy things. You know, I heard, you know, eat four strips of bacon and three eggs every morning. 
I like that one the best myself. And I, I really want to practice that discipline. You see, and when we hear somebody say, uh, you know, how did he do that? Well, you know, he just, he's that good because he just made it a habit of every morning when he gets up, he, he picks up his guitar and he plays for 10 minutes. See, when we hear it like that, you know, he's just made a habit of picking that guitar up every morning and playing for 10 minutes. That is a discipline. You're a habit and discipline. They're the same thing. You see, when we make a habit, we build a habit to do something, we're doing that for an outcome, for a reason. Now, if, if you're like me and you get up in the morning and you play a G chord, it is completely unfulfilling. And I can get up and I can play a G chord for 10 minutes, and I will be so glad when that 10 minutes is gone. And as most of you, that would feel like, you know, an hour. That was 10 minutes of G. It was way too much G. And you need to learn another chord. But tomorrow I'm going to do that chord again. And then the next day I'm going to do that chord again. That's called a discipline. It's called a discipline. And after a week of that, when somebody says, give me a G, I may not be able to do anything else, but I can throw you a G like that. I was getting certified uh, for diving yesterday, or last couple of days. And, uh, and they, uh, you know, they make you change out your tank like, you know, every 40 minutes. That thing is still three quarters full of air. I said, why do you want us to keep doing this? Because you, you get the habit of how to operate all your equipment. I thought, wow, how sermon worthy is that? You know? And by the end, you know, after I've done this like 25 times, I'm, I'm going after it. It's very, very quick and very easy. You see, that was a discipline. It was a habit. And if we're going to be good at our life and our connection with God, it will be intentional. It will be intentional. It will be because you exercised the power of habit to become somebody you are not today. You see... If you want to change the world, and let me put it a different way, because God wants you to change the world through his power, then what Jesus is saying is it will take a radical change in your habit structure. It will take a radical change in the core operation of your instincts and your impulses. It will be required and demanded because you will never be able to outthink your instincts and represent Jesus Christ. So you see, if we want to follow Jesus, you have to appreciate it is a radical effort. If I were to say to you, uh, how would you like to learn to play the violin? And you go, well, probably everybody would like to learn to play the violin, but how many of us are willing to put the work in to do it? Not me. But you see, if we want to be people who follow Jesus, it will be a radical transformation. You will be somebody radically different in your core instincts. And the way we get there, the way that happens is we take authority and responsibility for our habits which build 
instinct. Habits are disciplines. Did I blow through my... We're going to pick up something now because I don't know exactly where I am, but none of this matters. Perfect. That'll do. I have a video for you. This video does a couple of things. It helps you see that angst, that tension, when... When our routine is not completed, when the reward is not there. And it also allows you to see the evidence of habits when you don't know they're there. Okay? Have we got that? We don't have that. Not yet. We will have that shortly, maybe. Is that a true statement? And we press on. Why are habits... So significant. Why, why is it for you to make it a point to pray every morning? Read the scripture every day. Solitude. Why are they so important? Why do they need to be legalistic? Isn't that religious? Isn't that legalistic? Are you trying to get favor from God? And I want to challenge all of that thinking because none of that thinking is biblical. I want to start with a key punchline. Philippians 3, 20 and 21. Can you get there? I don't know what direction that is, but it says, For our citizenship is in heaven, from which also we eagerly wait for, our, for a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform the body of our humble state into conformity with the body of his glory by the exertion of the power that he has even to subject all things to himself. Our body is a part of our transformation. You will have a new body. Here's the thing, the first thing I want you to see about disciplines is disciplines include your mind and body. They are a way that your body participates in spiritual things. You know, you can read about Jesus, you can think about Jesus, but when you begin to act upon that, when I put myself in, in the place of I will pray, I will study the scripture, what I'm doing is I am bringing my body and my mind into conformity with where my spirit is being called. I am telling my mind and my body, you're going to play. And the reason I want to do that is, where, the, where all of me is going, I will indeed go. 
Now, you can feel the tension when you blow it. You can feel the tension. Uh, <clears throat> you know, if I, I used to fly every day. Um, I flew, you know, what I, said, what I called six and a half days a week. And, I mean, you feel very one with the aircraft. I sit down. Um, I could close my eyes, and I could touch everything exactly, you know, like Ray Charles would play the piano. And I tell you, if I miss one day, if I take off one day, I could feel it. I could feel it if I took off one day. But if I fly once a week, I can take off a year and not feel it. You see, one, I have established a habit that I can feel small movement. And the other, I haven't established where I feel. And for many of us, because we don't discipline, we don't tell our body, tell our mouth, tell our mind, you are going to participate in the spiritual journey. Then what can easily happen is, you know, I might pray a little bit as I'm going down the road. Jesus, help me with this. Oh, and gee, I, I blew this and uh, blah, blah, blah. We're kind of, you know, we're hashing out our needs for the day. Nothing wrong with that. But I want you to know, in that moment, nothing is really changing about you. No, the transformation is a far distance from you. And, you know, when I <clears throat> had uh, needed to finish up some study and I had a lot of things to do on, on Friday before I went over for this course and a lot was going on. I had phone calls coming in, crises all over the place. And, you know, I really just didn't have time for the word on Friday morning. I just, you know, I thought I just need to get it later. And then I kind of kicked in and thought, you know, you're really busy. Things are really out of sorts. Things are going all over the place, and you really don't have the time. So this will be the time that we stop and we have a devotional. This is the time I need it most. You see, this is transformative. You see that difference? It's transformative when I'm in a place where I say, I don't have time for this. I'm going to put it off. And I say, I don't have time for this. That's what makes it so important. And I sat down. Now, the first part is you have to decide you're going to do it. And the second part is you have to do this. When you get down, okay. For our citizenship is heaven, and we give a Savior, Lord Jesus Christ, we'll transform the body. Okay, Jesus, uh, just give me something out of that today and bless you. So I get down, for our citizenship is in heaven, for which we are a Savior, Lord Jesus Christ. I think, this is not doing anything. You need to stop. You need to quiet yourself. You need to slow down. If you're going to have to be late somewhere, you need to be late somewhere. And tomorrow I'll plan better on time. But right now, I need to slow down. Lord, I pray that you meet with me.
over the scripture. We connect. I choose you. For our citizenship is in heaven, from which also we eagerly wait for a Savior. You hear the difference? Somebody might call both of those doing the discipline. One of them is building the habit. And the habit is what? The habit is I'm going to connect with God every morning. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to connect with God. That's different than I'm going I'm to rattle off the scripture as fast as I can. And I'm checking it off. The idea is when we engage in habits, we're doing something spiritual. We're changing. We're entering into, we're participating in the transformation that is available to us. If we're not, there's no game. I think you're wasting your time. We up? All right. See what you can pick out. These will be people that you're familiar with. I don't think there's any cussing in it. I just, told you, I just I thought about it. I didn't check closure. it. But. You sure he, about that? He's I'm a control sure. freak and needs closure. proves nothing. So what will be your plan for addressing it? I'm going to recondition your brain so that the need for completion isn't so overwhelming. <laughs> By playing tic-tac-toe? Yep, your turn. Oh, Amy. And you wonder why people think neuroscience is nothing but a goofy game for diaper babies. <laughs> tic-tac-toe can only end in win, lose, or draw, none of which will deny me closure. Especially since I'm about to win. <laughs> well, we didn't finish. Exactly. How does that make you feel? The same way any normal person would. I feel like I want to peel off my own face and tear it in two and then again and again until I have a handful of Sheldon face confetti. And that's exactly the feeling we want to address with this course of treatment. For the land of the free and the home of the next. <laughs> it's quite an impressive layout, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> Let's box it up. Take back to that. <clears throat> That's enough. <laughs> Sheldon, give it! <laughs> okay, Sheldon, make a wish and blow out the candles. <sighs> Oops, missed one. Now your wish can't come true. <laughs> Doesn't matter, does it? I'm proud of you, Sheldon. 
and a complete sucker. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> There he is. <laughs> and the home of the brave. Don't stop. Yes, keep going. Just like that. Almost there. Almost there. Uh -huh. <laughs> His habits were very powerful, thank you, weren't they? You see, all of those were habits. All of those were built into him. Now, he's neurotic. So are you. And what they were calling closure is the reward. Finishing what that was supposed to give you, give me. And so I, I liked it because it shows how, much, how habitual we are and how powerful they can be. And I find them particularly um, visible in things of injustice. In the restaurant, when the people that get there after you have their food and you haven't ordered yet, that's not right. That's not right. You feel very Sheldon. You want to go Sheldon on them. <clears throat> Old Testament, exactly. You see, what he did is he went back and satisfied. And what Jesus wants us to do is to let him rewrite that program in us. He wants to recondition us to rightly reflect his presence. That's what he says Will change the world. Your body is a very, very important part of you. And wherever your spirit goes, your body in this life will go with it. Your body has got to conform and participate with where the spirit is taking your spirit. And disciplines are a way that the body participates. Disciplines are a way that your mind, your mouth, your hands all get to participate. And when they begin to participate on an honest level, it's not honest, it's not a legitimately honest level for me to, you know, Many Christians were suddenly prepared. Okay. Yeah, I skipped a few pieces, but I got the gist. You see, my mind was not edified. It was not built up. It was not transformed. It was not even given the opportunity to transform. How often do we do things but not really wait and let the mind? Because the mind is often in a different place when you get up. The spirit's over here. The mind is over here. Who knows where the body is, all right? But... All in all, coming together in the morning is not just about coming to God. It's about your mind and your body and your spirit coming together. 
They're being united with Christ in a way that brings transformation. Does that make sense? That, that is the goal of disciplines. They are, they are, are processes. They are activities which are intentionally designed to connect all of your pieces together with God to give the best opportunity for you to be changed and transformed and made different. And that's what makes them so important. It's not because we are more righteous. It's not because it pleases God if I do this every day, whether it does or not. The reason we do it is it pulls us together and it pulls God together with that in a way that makes us most receptive to what the Father is doing. Let's look at it in Romans chapter 12. These will be familiar to many of you, verses 1 and 2. Paul is talking to the uh, church in Rome. Therefore I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies. You see that? To present your bodies. Now people always think of this as an idea of purity. To present your body as a living and holy sacrifice. Well, purity is a part of it but also that your body is participating in the worship, in the reality of the effects of Jesus. Your body gets to play, and it, it's, it's not right. It's not collected when our body is left out of that. And for many of us, our body is going in the other direction. And for many of us, our mind can do anything. It can be lustful. It can be thinking of money or greed or people or, or just busy. And in the middle of that, we allow our mind to be over here. Our spirit is struggling for life, and our body is, is doing whatever. And so the idea in this verse here is present your bodies. Allow your bodies to be a part of what God is transforming. A living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. It is an act of worship. When we participate, our mind, our bodies, our spirit, in connecting with God. And then it gives the flip side of that coin. Uh, so don't be conformed to this world. Don't go with the way the world tries to do this. Do this the way I am showing you, the way I'm demonstrating to you. Don't be conformed to this world. But what? Be transformed. Be changed. Your instincts change. Your impulses change. Your thought processes Change all of those things change where you really are a different person. You're not spending all of your time overriding your impulses. It's, it's a great thing, I think, when people are overriding their impulses to look more like Scripture. John, you need to turn your phone off before you come in here. 
Sorry, folks. I don't know what I was saying. Yes, thank you. You see, our transformation comes from what? Our bodies are connecting with God. A renewing of our mind. You know, if our spirit is trying to connect with God, but our mind is just a trashy place. Anybody ever experienced your spirit wanting to be with God and your mind is a trashy place? Anybody ever done that? Anybody? Okay, I thought it was just me. But, but the truth is, we often allow them to be far apart. You see, the disciplines are how we draw them back together. When all of a sudden, my thought life habits are, are, are now being challenged, all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit has some opportunity. And so, on a, on a, on a morning or an evening, I'm, I'm connecting in my thought habits because my spirit is saying, you're not aligned with me, thoughts. Instead of me going, well, because thoughts go all over the place. Disciplines forces them together. You see, in doing so, we are able to prove, to demonstrate to realize we are able to prove the will of God. We're able to actually prove what the will of God is. Doesn't that sound lofty? Doesn't that sound like over the top? How many of you have struggled with the will of God? Just me. Okay, a couple more people here. And the truth is, you see, when we allow God and we take some responsibility over the habitual part of our life, we begin to connect those things. And God has access, and he begins to change how we respond. Justice, injustice, good things, bad things, tragedy, crisis. And we begin to see that he has a better way for us to be you and me then we will prove what the will of God is, that which is good to him, acceptable to him, and perfect to him. That will change the world. We're going to stop here. Lots more good stuff, but God's already done a lot of good stuff. If you would stand.